Well, Mike and the team and I are still working hard on pulling together Third Street Barbell for an eventual opening. Uh, we're going to continue our break uh, and revisit a show that we did uh, sometime back with Dr. Ramsey Nijem, who was at the time a strength and conditioning uh, coach for the Sacramento Kings and now for the uh, KU Jayhawks uh, Division One basketball team. And we talked to him about how injuries might be prevented. There have been a lot of injuries this year in every sport. And I'm wondering if it has to do with, you know, layoffs around COVID or what. But uh, uh, particularly football lately has been really bad. But uh, anyway, uh, enjoy this episode. It's actually there's a lot of great information in it. Uh, We'll be back next week with another episode. It may be live and it may not be. We'll see. Uh, It just depends. Our schedule is a little up in the air right now. It is difficult to figure out how to to schedule guests and bring people in when we have so much going on and and so much of our schedule out of our control. So uh, listen along and uh, go to 3sb.co to sign up for updates and go to Instagram, uh, 3rd Street Barbell, all spelled out, to see what's going on uh, with what we're working on. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic, and then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. And What's going to happen is... We're going to talk about preventing injuries, and some birdhead out there is going to be like, well, you've been injured. Your advice must be irrelevant. Oh, yeah. People get injured. Things happen. And that's why we're bringing <laughs> on our guest, Ramsey, because Ramsey works in the NBA, and he could be the best strength coach, hypothetically, that ever lived in the history of mankind, and someone's going to get injured still because when you're moving your body or you're pushing your body to a limit, things happen, even when you don't. There, <laughs> you lift weights to get healthy. You Got lift it. weights to get strong, to perform in sports, to be a powerlifter, bodybuilder, whatever you might do. There's always chances negative things are going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you can wake up wrong. You can go to bed wrong. Uh, You're re- pushing things to the extreme too. Well, so, or even uh, you, know? you know the the uh, the the actor that just passed away, 52, and, and supposedly Luke very yeah. very healthy. Supposedly yeah. exercised probably ate well. He you know was was lean enough body weight, et cetera, et cetera. Had a huge stroke or heart attack at 52. Stroke. Yep. Unlikely. Things happen. We can't control every variable, no. but what no. we try to do is cover some of our bases. Uh, Mike, you have a hurt back. Yeah, I got a hurt back. I, I, I power lifted really, really hard for ten years. I know my numbers aren't that great. That's just because I'm not that great. But I've done, I've done in the work. I've put in the work. I've squatted if, if billions of reps, deadlifted billions of reps. I played basketball year round for fifteen years. My body's been through it, and yeah, my back hurts sometimes. It f-ing happens. Jim power lifted for a very long time. It's shoulder hurts doesn't mean he didn't do the right to prevent it shoulder hurts that's what happens you could be the greatest but the only people that aren't getting injured are the freak specimens that that either never did anything Uh or just got insanely lucky because people point to you know like a lebron james lebron james is a freak athlete he probably spends a lot of good time in the gym uh preparing himself he's very well prepared nutritionally and in great shape and he's the arguably the greatest specimen ever come through the nba so yeah his 
chances are much less likely to get injured than Isaiah Thomas, who's 5'8 and 140 pounds flying around the, the NBA trying to keep up with people. He's probably a little bit more likely to get injured. Both of them could take every preparation in the world. Both of them could have the best strength coach on the freaking planet, and they could still get injured. Oh, yeah, and it's if you extend it to stuff like getting sick. Yeah. Um, some people just get sick. And some people just don't, and they eat some Doritos people, all game yeah, day. exactly. Yeah. Some people gain a lot of weight yeah. from life, and other people don't. There's a lot of variability. Uh, some people are really smart, and other people are not. Right. Some people can learn a particular thing, and other people can't. Just, there's so much variation. And I think that that's actually sort of what makes this question interesting to right, me. Right, because it depends. You, it's case by case. you got to understand the person. You can't, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily a cookie-cutter deal. And it's activity-driven or, or, or potentially yeah, individually driven. Uh, and that's why we have Ramsey on again, NBA strength coach. Um, I think three or four years now he interned for a long time. Really, really smart guy. But his literal number one goal, and yeah, his, he might argue this, but I'll, I'll make sure he agrees with me. I don't want to speak for him. But his number one goal is to get players uh, a long career and a healthy career. They are called, yeah, a strength coach or strength and conditioning coach right. in the NBA. But, like, maybe some of the young guys he's trying to put some muscle on or maybe, you know, maybe there's a guy that got a little lazy in the offseason they're trying to lose some weight or something like that. But their number one goal is to keep players healthy, happy, feeling good so they can perform their best on the court for a very long time so they can win games so the franchise can make money <laughs> and build our big capitalist society. Right. And I think, too, that um – that returning from injury, which is not necessarily buried in our in our um, in our topic, but I think it's another another good point of it because I guess maybe preventing re-injury, right? Which is which is uh, obviously if you tweak an ankle and you're in the NBA, you're likely to tweak that ankle again. Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't feel right, and that's why I wanted to bring Ramsey on. He's gonna probably want us to ask more specifics because he is a good strength coach, and like we just said, there are specifics. But I think we'll dig into some really good tips and tricks that he might have um, for lifters. You know, like a simple one I give out to every lifter in the freaking world. Oh, my shoulder hurts when I bench. My elbow hurts when I bench. We're like, one, we got to look at your technique. Maybe uh -huh. it's a technique thing. Two, we got to look at that overall volume and frequency. Maybe it's a volume and frequency. Maybe you're pushing a little too hard. Uh -huh. um, and then third, let's get in a little bit of extra back work. So I have every bencher ever, uh, whether they have shoulder problems or not, we're doing tons of face pulls, uh, rows, and pull-aparts with a band to warm up. There's just no reason not to get that extra volume yeah. in your back and shoulders, get some blood in there. Uh, and then fourth would probably be, depending on the exercise, maybe it's not shoulder, maybe it's legs, knees, hips, whatever. Uh, get a proper warm up, and what I mean by that is actually warm your body up. Hop on an elliptical, stair stepper, sled, assault bike, something. Ten minutes, get an actual warm up, mm -hmm. and then get into your movement. Uh, you'll be a little less likely to hurt. Now, there may be some cases where none of those help, and then we got to look at something else. Someone might have a real injury. That's another big difference of being injured and actually just being hurt or mm -hmm. beat up. Uh, being hurt or beat up is probably going to happen if you take any sport anywhere seriously, Period, yeah. even if you're a freaking pro dart player. Something's going to freaking hurt. Um, oh, my God. I bet you they make money. I watch, like, bowling on ESPN5 and darts. Like, I would love that. <laughs> I was just... <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just convicted of using steroids in a chess match. For chess, real? Chess match. Yeah, totally. They yeah. drug test for steroids. Apparently, they do. I've talked about this for a long time, too, and no one has answers. I want to know... Uh, esports and I don't want to get in the argument at esports I'm just into it I think it's cool I don't give a fuck if you think they're an athlete or a sport that's just the name they call it so yeah. I'm just following the name they call it they got a drug test like those probably some amphetamines or Adderall or something same thing yeah. but I don't think they do 
Or chess? If I'm chess, I've never played. I've played chess in my life, but I've never really played chess in my life. I'm I'm definitely never any good. I'm definitely taking Adderall. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you're just focused in your bing, bing, and you're calculating a million things at once. You you got to be on some. Oh yeah, I would I would take Adderall for podcasting if you could buy it over the counter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We take plenty of caffeine for that very reason. Yeah, whatever keeps your mind going. Stimulants. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised, but I am a little surprised. Like, what's that guy taking trend or something? That's not going to help your chess match. I have no idea. I didn't really. All I saw was like a screenshot of the of the story. It might have just been. Yeah, we should look into it because it might have just been like a headline deal. Because I bet you they have banned substances and he got caught for a banned substance but I wonder I guess testosterone in certain instances is just illegal and so maybe they do test for it because it's just illegal like marijuana is illegal for uh, most Olympic athletes yeah but like smoking a bunch of pots not going to make you a better skier as far as we know that's a question for another day well in the UFC I think you can now smoke marijuana in your off season but you can't smoke it on game day Mm. who the hell is getting absolutely high out of their mind to hop in the arena to say to, to defend their life that's actually, not going to help. Actually, that comes back to a point. You know, my my, my wife does um, some uh, grammar school uh, sex and drug education stuff, and um, she's actually like prepping to do a bunch of them in this part of the year. And one of the things that she's had to kind of add more information about is is yeah. smoking pot because everything changes. Because yeah, the landscapes change. Yeah, the landscape changes. Just because it's legal doesn't mean that you should do it. When you're a teenager, well, fact, that's just it, the, it seems to say that it's it's really the opposite of that. You should not do it as a teenager because it can affect how your brain develops. Well, that's just the so hard thing with all of it. Like, well, the law says it's totally cool to walk into this store and get hammered drunk. The yeah. law says that's fine. Like, must be healthy. Yeah, <laughs> like that it's, it's not. Yeah, like it's way worse than anything. I, what's the pot age in most states? Is it 21 or 18? I think it's 18. Is it? I think so. The cigarettes in California, 21, or is that national? Cigarettes in California is 21 now, yeah. National is 18, though? I think national is 18. And no one in the nation you can drink at 18? Not anymore. 90s, you kind of could, right? Yeah, there were there was a time. I and think then Ohio the, was like, at least maybe the 80s, it was 18. Possibly. And other Euro, uh, European countries, it used to be a lot looser. And it, I, I mean, it's I've still, heard it still is. It's still pretty loose in some places. Yeah. Like, I know that, I know um, that my son, when he was 14, my youngest son, when he was 14, drank in Italy, and it yeah. was not a problem. Yeah, Latin America, you they hear the serve same thing. You, you Central know? America, you hear the same thing. I wonder. That, that's all kind of confusing me. Yeah, this is off topic. but We'll get Ramsey back for the real answer, folks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, drinking age, smoking marijuana age, smoking cigarettes age, voting age, going to the military mm-hmm. age, driving age. Well, how are they all so different in... in yeah, you would think that there would be some similarity for Well, because yeah. they say, uh, science, I think, don't quote me, maybe we'll get another brain surgeon on here to answer this, but I think like brain isn't fully developed till 25. Yep. So why wouldn't we just say all of these are 25? Because- it Makes sense uh, to me, right? I don't know, because we l- rely on teenagers in the early 20s for commerce. Uh, that's I think true. That's, a, that's a thing, yeah. and we don't, we have terrible uh, uh, public transportation in most places. And I guess neglect at some point. At some level, you neglect someone too long, and then they're going to overindulge, right? Hypothetically, let's say like, no, you can't drink till you're 25. Then all these people want it so bad, and then they're going to go even harder at 25 because you neglected yeah. them an extra five years potentially. Yeah, yeah. I think that that I personally, I feel like the trick around um, around alcohol for 
if you're not if you didn't grow up in a family, if you're not in a family where people uh, are where you have a lot of alcoholics, I guess maybe is just demystifying alcohol and making it possible for them to have a little bit yeah. before they're actually the age because they're in your house and they're not going anywhere and you're monitoring it, you know, so that they understand that it's a thing, but it's maybe not the most important or interesting, yeah. amazing thing, and then it just is it's less of a deal later on. I agree. I think my parents handled it really well. Neither of them really drank. I think my mom did a little bit when she was younger, but not as like parent age they yeah. never really drank and they did a good job of like yeah christmas they'd let me try their wine when i was whatever 14 and not make it yeah exactly like you just said right. not make it this mystical thing that's so weird and of course i got way too drunk at some point when i was 21 uh. or 22 and f-ed up but a lot less than a lot of my friends who maybe potentially had it as this huge mystery and then wanted to explore or got hammered drunk in high school or something mm-hmm. I, never, I never did that because i just didn't care actually bringing this topic around <laughs> i mean um uh, in terms of preventing injury, like substances, like what impact do they have? Uh, uh, alcohol. That's why I want to get a painkillers. Uh, maybe a toxicology type guy in here to eventually get real alcohol yeah. uh, info. But I, I and I wonder what the strength coach as a powerlifting coach one on one or the NBA strength coach, you know, because you're dealing with multi million dollar athletes, uh, how you handle that? Uh, is Ramsey going up to the star on the Kings and saying, Yo, bro, you got to cut back the alcohol because I think you're going to get dehydrated for tomorrow's game? Yeah. I mean, are you even, uh, are you one, allowed to say that? Two, uh, is he even going to listen to you? Because uh, I'm sure there's son- tons of strength coaches at even college and professional level that athletes just shrug off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder how you go about that because obviously alcohol, they, they have a really long season. They're young guys. Yeah. A lot of them are bachelors. They probably want to grab a drink or two, but that has to have uh, repercussions uh, of dehydration and who knows what on your muscular system to, yeah. to play a full game the next day. But Or just being able to think straight sometimes. Rumor so. has it Jordan was hammered drunk all the time and hung over. So. Yeah, that's the rumor. Well, Ramsey, though, Ramsey's gambling a basketball like a motherfucker. Head. Yeah, we'll hear it. The gambling doesn't bug me as much. You know, if it's legal, you do you, Jordan. But being hammered drunk all the time. That just seems like a bad idea. It just seems like counterpoint, but uh, yeah. maybe we'll get some uh, dive into some specifics and uh, see what's happening with Ramsey. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, so this is another topic that is related somewhat to the topic of monitoring workload, but it's uh, preventing injuries, and then on the flip of that, maybe coming back from injuries. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that process? Or, or or any athlete, because I think yeah. like we talked about in previous episodes, your your job is probably the most complicated as it comes to strength and conditioning, in my opinion. Um, the amount of hours, workload, uh, and, and low frequency of players or low number of players. Right, there's ten guys on a team, seven, eight are playing a night, maybe ten, but right. not that many. They're getting a lot of miles on that thing, and you got to keep them healthy and safe. And, and I don't, you might define it different, but for me, your real job is to keep these guys hopefully healthy mm-hmm. and long. Right, like yep. they don't need to bench press three fifteen. Right. They need to play a long time and right. play their best. Right. Um, the easy part is fucking powerlifting, or the easy part is bodybuilding, or the easy yeah. part is a soccer yeah. mom that wants to look a little bit better and chase after a kid. How do you prevent injury? Right. Um, so you're preventing injury at the highest level, um, and then you know maybe what are some tips for that if someone's a real freaking Corvette of an athlete out there, and then maybe we'll scale her back. Right, right. Yeah, yeah well, shoot, first knock on wood. Because, um, yeah, I mean, injury is our number one goal is, is to, to reduce, I like to say reduce the risk of those things. Mm-hmm. Um because it's really hard to to understand. The problem with prevention, like not only is it like one end feels like a cop out to say, like I don't prevent injuries, I just want to reduce the risk of it. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is you don't really under, we don't really understand risk. And so what I always think about is like let's say someone has um, goes out in like 
tweaks like a quad but can continue to play, right? So on one end, it's like, oh, you might think, well, we're not doing enough because that should never happen. But then the flip side of that is, well, that could have actually been really bad. That could have been worse Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for what we're doing. This is just like a medical thing, but like whenever whenever we think of like interventions and outcomes, um, I always like to – a specific paper which comes to mind, but outcome measures measure outcomes, not training effects. And so what that means is, you know, let's say let's say that, uh, you know, someone hires you to coach them and they want to get their squat up 200 pounds or whatever. And let's say they do that. So on one end, it's like, well, the, we want, we're probably relatively confident that it was that specific intervention, which would be your programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you start to think about more complex things like disease and pain and performance, like, whether it's running faster, jumping higher, um, especially those things within the context of winning basketball games. And now you got yeah, you got ten guys high speed running back and forth. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of variables going on. Lots of variables, and so um, their shoes could blow out, bro. <laughs> man, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, whenever I think they should have been like, wearing some Iversons. <laughs> like, I'm not biased, but I haven't seen some Iversons bust out. Yeah, never, never. <laughs> and there was some mean crossovers. Right? In those There's things. some torque in those ankles. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, See, I, w- I always like to like kind of cautiously say or, or or ask people to consider like w- just because something happens, not necessarily because of what you did or in spite of what you did. It's possible that what you did helped. It's possible that what you did hindered. Um, it's possible that if somebody, for example, someone, if I improve somebody's, uh, and I always think about this at the city college level when I was there because everybody got stronger. Mm. Uh, and so if I'm like a meathead, rah rah strength coach, I'm like everyone got stronger because of my programs, or. <laughs> Everyone got stronger because they were just 18 and they turned to 22. And I probably gave yeah. them their only dose of strength training they've ever had. Right. Yeah. And it's very possible that the program that I specifically prescribed actually slowed that process. <laughs> and they might have got stronger without me. Like, those are real possibilities. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, w- with the injury prevention stuff, it's really tough to, like, you know, say this is what you should be doing. Um, but – as a strength coach, we like to hang our hat on strength training. Like, I think yeah. that that's very valuable. I think that the research supports that. Uh, now, within strength training, there's a million things, right? Uh, and how, like, what is strength training? Do you actually have to get stronger or do you just have to dose strength? And if you do have to get stronger, how much stronger? Mm-hmm. Does everybody have to be able to hit this number, that number? Or is it just dosing? Is it just slowly, like, because there's a lot of strength coaches that say that. Like, hey, oh, sure. every basketball player should be able to bench 185. It's in the freaking combine yep. for a reason. Yeah. Every uh, pro athlete should do 10 chin-ups. And, yep. I mean, our military does it. Yep. All right? Our military does it, and you're going to war, which yep. is uh, the most extreme version of basketball, <laughs> right? Like, that's the most extreme version of sport, <laughs> Yeah. right? Like, but, but gladiators, uh, there's gladiators, and then now there's 2019 war with yeah. robots. And yeah. and so, oh, well, you got to do 100 push-ups, what, run a 10-minute, uh, two-milers? Yeah, yeah. They have these random standards. Right. Yeah. Um, that perhaps are totally meaningless. <laughs> right. 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 And, and on on that front, sometimes standards uh, are good from a performance side. Right. Like we probably want some level of fitness going into war with our soldiers for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like that stuff from a preventing injury side, to me, just man, like I, that's where like our industry, I think, is overvaluing what they what they know um, mm. because. It's tough. Now, what I do believe, and I, I do think that strength plays a role. I think we need a dose strength. Um, I think that at some level you can get relatively or pretty specific within those things. Um, so if you think about um, the easiest way is just to think about injury history or, or, or injury incidents or rates in a mm-hmm. sport. Um, 
And so if you think of like soccer where hamstrings are an issue, well, then you probably want to dose hamstring capacity stuff, right? We probably want to do, be doing things for the hamstrings. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to take 90% of your back squat and RDL it, but it probably does mean we want to get like 20 to 30% on something and do some type of something for the hamstring. So mm-hmm. it could be RDLs. It could be uh, supine leg curls. It could be any leg curl version in a, in a machine. Um it could be leg curls not in a machine. It could be long lever iso pos- Like there's a million things you should do, and you probably should find a way to fit them all into a holistic approach of training athletes. Because if you put all all your eggs in one basket and that basket happens to be wrong, well, damn. Um, yeah, because there's science. That's what I was going to ask. You know, there's science that says, well, for you know ligaments and and you know it might just be one study, but there mm-hmm. you can find a study. Uh, ligaments respond really well to 50 reps. Yep. All yeah. right. Well, that's weird. The Sack Kings are only doing 50 reps hamstring curls. <laughs> yeah. Like game on. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and there's stuff like that and, that, and that's the the balance of uh, research or science versus practice, right? Because um, there are plenty of protocols that are published in a paper, uh, and whether or not you can do that specific thing in practice is pretty tough. Now, even Again, like more caveats. The specific protocol published in a paper does not necessarily mean that that is the best protocol. That is just right. the one that was studied. Sure. So yeah. it's possible. And this is why, this is usually why research takes a long time. And the same question has to be asked five different ways before we build confidence on it. Because for every, um, you know, there, there's research, for example, on leg extensions and isometrics. Um, and the original protocol looked at five sets of 45 seconds on a leg extension machine and how that might influence pain response of patella tendons. Okay, well, that's the one question that we asked. Now, what happens if we just do three sets of 45 seconds? Mm. Is it the same or is it different, right? It may still work. Right. Now, what about two sets of 30 seconds? Okay, cool. Does it have to be in the machine? or could, like So now we're just building this thing out, and it's like, oh, man, we don't actually know as much as we think we know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I bought a leg extension, and I'm going to do it that way. And that's not a bad approach. Like, there's value in that. Like, um, you know, like. I think of, again, research on like adductor strain. So what we know is something called the Copenhagen, which is basically like if you think of a side plank, um, trying to like think of how to explain. So think of a side plank, but instead of your bottom leg being on the floor and then the top foot is stacked on it, Mm -hmm. instead put your top leg on a bench and now let the body hang or pull yourself up. So the adductor or the groin has to actually work. So so working those types of things in these long lever positions may reduce the risk of growing strains. Um, So now that's one way to attack the adductors. Um, I like to attack the hip flexors because acceleration is a big thing and this dang knee has to come up and down a lot in Mm -hmm. basketball. Um, So we want to attack some of that. We want to dose the hamstring stuff. not only are the adductors important, the abductors are important. So, like, everything around the hip is probably important. All right, cool. We got the hip done. Yeah. We got to get to the knee. We got to get to the ankle because the Achilles is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably also should probably – you probably should care about, quote, unquote, tissue quality. So how does that fit in? That's where, like, things like foam rolling or soft tissue work plays a role, and we have um, some staff for that type of stuff. And that's really before we even got to the global strength or performance side of things, which is where, like, your trap bar deadlifts or your squatting or your benching – uh, all that comes into play. And then from there, it's like one that that's all like one side to me of injury risk reduction mm-hmm. um, is just dosing strength and dosing the qualities that we care about at these specific sites that we care about. But then the other side is like just prepare your athlete for the demand of the sport. And if you prepare them for the demands of the sport, well, you're also protecting them a little bit. So, okay, well, we know you got to jump and you got to sprint. So those are things we also want to do. So now you're just went through this entire continuum of strength and conditioning of a million things that are important. And I think the trick uh, or the hard part in uh, strength and conditioning, especially at the uh, NBA level or really probably any elite level where time mm-hmm. is, is 
of the essence, right? Like we don't have three hours a day no. every day with these guys. Um, so if I only have X amount of time, there's a million things I want them to do, but I'm going to have to make very conscious decisions about what are, what those things are going to be. Um, so, yeah, like it's tough, but we just try to dose a lot of different things, um, and we try to do it very often, which is why like, this concept of micro-dosing makes sense. Um, so we want to get guys in um, no less than two times a week, but definitely more like three to four to five times a week. And like, um, and that's something that to me is, is important on the coaching side, right? If you can get buy-in and you can get those relationships and you can b- bring them energy and not take energy from them, mm-hmm. like if you can get all of that going, well, now they're more likely to come see you five times a week, which is going to allow you to do all the important things that you might have learned in the textbook or in the yeah. science. But if you know that all these things are important, but nobody wants to come see you, well, good luck. Yeah. Is a lot of that based on uh, the athlete's decision uh, when to come see you kind of deal? Like, hey, yo, uh, they don't know Rams there from whatever noon to three, and they just kind of stop by get it, get some work in. Yeah, uh, no, like they know I'm there all the time. So whenever they want to flip the script and just come in and get some work in, mm-hmm. oh, cool. Yeah, let's get it. But most of them have times that I'm like I'm telling them when, and so that's why I'm always on my phone just communicating with yeah. them. Um, and it's not always like I think it's an important point for any strength coach or any coach in any field. Um, if all of your communication is about your coaching, then you probably don't have a great relationship with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if the only thing you talk about with an athlete is when do come see you, I don't know about that. Right. Like, so, so I'm always talking with guys about anything most like mostly about like their play. Yeah. Like I want to talk to you about the things you're doing great because you don't want to be a weightlifter. You want to be a great basketball mm-hmm. player. So yeah, I want to sure. like, I want to call you when you have your first double double in the NBA and, and just rap with you about that. Let them know that you know this guy, Salah Mike, that's better than him at Call of Duty. (laughs) (laughs) And that too, right? So, so yeah, I mean, all those things play a part. And then now that's like, that's just in the weight room. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now we got to go back into workload monitoring because that's going to influence some of these decisions Mm -hmm. uh, and tracking some of these things. Because if a guy is feeling bad, like not only do I need to change my program, there's probably some education on the recovery side. There's probably some education on the nutrition and sleep. Like, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real holistic approach to understanding, uh, that everything probably plays a role in performance mm-hmm. and injury, and all of those things should be educated or touched on with the athlete. It's just how you go about doing that, I think, is very important. There's got to be a, a psychological component around making them feel like you're trying to take care of them and help them like perform their best and, and you know ultimately make more money and prolong their career and all that stuff versus just telling them what to do because you have this – you know, sheet in front of you that says you need to do these things that I need to check off. For sure. Right. For they sure. they got to feel like everybody likes to feel like they're getting taken care of mm-hmm. for whatever, you know, whatever situation, mm-hmm. any situation. For you sure. want to feel like someone's looking out for you. Somebody's got your best interest at heart, all that stuff. So um, did you have a feel for that just right away or, or are you that guy that people easily connect with or did you have to cultivate it or? Yeah, I, I don't know. Some mix of all three, I guess. Like, it's super important. Um, and to me, that's the biggest difference between college and NBA strength and conditioning or, and probably professional, but I can only speak to the NBA because that's mm-hmm. the only place I've worked. Um, but the major, the, the primary difference between those settings is in the college setting, the strength coach is at some level an authority position. Mm-hmm. You're, you're above them in the hierarchy. You mm-hmm. can tell them what to do. Um, they have to listen. And if they don't, you can tell their sport coach. Um, and there's consequences. In the NBA, that's not necessarily the case. Um, not only am I not on your level, I'm far below you. Like, I, like 
we're worried about winning basketball games before the frequency of training. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're here for. Like we're here to we're here to chase down the playoffs this year. But more importantly, we're just here to win long term. Like we want to win, and, and every team wants to win. Um, that's what you signed up for. So because of that, because of that hierarchy or, or the fact that like they don't necessarily have to do what we tell them, mm-hmm. um, then it's very important that we get them to do those things, and that's going to come through the relationship side. So I think you know being their age helps uh, or relative. What's well, funny? I I used to be like younger, and then I became their age, and now I'm actually older because we're we such got, a young team. <laughs> we got a yeah a young team. I was gonna say because we we had like Randolph and stuff, some OGs on the team yeah, for a while. It's a little different too. Yeah. I, that was gonna be my next question: is 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 injury prevention uh, by age? And obviously that may have to do by workload. But you know, uh, I think right now it's 19, probably the youngest cats you work with, mm-hmm. uh, but the oldest might be. Uh, well, you have Vince Carter, thirty nine. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, last year, yeah, thirty nine. Yeah, like that's way different. Uh, is there different protocols you actually use in terms of exercise? Are you like, uh, okay, we're gonna, you know, beyond just monitoring workload and obviously having wear and tear on a thirty nine year old mm-hmm. freaking highlight reel compared yep. to an eighteen year old that's played one year of college? Sure. Uh, is there something like, all right, we're gonna load this guy up more, or this guy uses more eccentrics, this guy uses more free weights, this guy uses more cables? Is there anything like that? Um, not really at that level, but. You know, I, I would just, I, in my opinion, the older you are, the more important this stuff is. Um, you don't have this, like, youthful nature that's just going to allow you to get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, now the developmental side is more important for the younger guys, right? Like, you need to learn how to play the game. You need to grow bigger, faster, stronger to handle the demands of that. Um, so that's, like, that's, you know, if I'm thinking of, like, a pie chart overlapping, the young yeah. guys have more development but still need injury risk, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other side, it's like if you're Vince Carter, I'm not here to help you get better at basketball. Like, you're great yeah, yeah. at basketball. Yeah. Um, so usually as our vets come in, um, you know, I sit down and we'll just rap with them about, like, what are your habits? What do those look like? Um, and then let me find my place within those. It's not my it's not my goal to come in and say, hey, this is how you should be doing things. Mm-hmm. Like Vince, I know you jumped 46 inches, but yeah. I think we got 47, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I think I, we got 47. I know you're at th- – what is he now on the all-time score list? Top top 10 for sure, I think. Well, let's tell you. Yeah, he's, dude, he's I was wild. Just looking he's at still this. balling so hard. Uh, I, I think the only game – I went to a couple games last year. I went to a Cavaliers game uh, – and he like spun a baseline on a dude. Oh, amazing! Still throwing wind down. Thirty nine, like no. So he's twentieth uh, all time scoreless now. Um, and I, I just sent him a text just a couple of days ago to congratulate him on that. And so that's that's why, I, and that comes to mind because it's like these guys are coming. Zebo scored fifteen thousand points or eighteen thousand points in the NBA. Yeah, like, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you this is how you need to do things to be mm-hmm. successful because you're. You're here to be a successful basketball player. And mm-hmm. if you're already that, then it's not my job to tell you how to live your life. However, it is my job to help you continue, continue to do those things at a high level. Um, and so first, I want to gain your trust so that you believe in what I'm going to deliver. And then once we have that established, then it's like, hey, this is what I really think can help you. And it's not like I think that you need to be squatting three times your body weight and these crazy things. That It's more like, hey, like. I think you should probably be dosing this, this, and this, and we should be doing that pretty often. And if you come to me every day and give me this amount of time, I'll get it done for you, and I'm gonna have a killer playlist. So don't even worry about that. <laughs> like I got, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, as far as like the, how the age influences that, it's just I think more of that stuff. Like I, you want to probably dose a little bit more for the older guys because there's just more upkeep. Like yeah. I, like a car analogy is always a bad analogy because cars don't adapt, whereas human bodies adapt. Yeah. Uh, but if you have an older car, you want to make sure you stay on your upkeep a little bit yeah. more. Right? Yeah, if you new, just new exhaust. And, yeah, yeah, like just stay on it. Um, 
which is why I really enjoy my job now because I'm able to develop a training culture mm-hmm. and the habits that we're working on developing now, like it's this long-term athletic development model, right? Where we want to deliver, we want to um, develop habits now that by the time you are into your fifth, sixth, 10th, 12th year, whatever it is, you're just locked in and there's no more education on that. Like you're already going. So you're like, they, they get a sense of what works for them, what has worked for them in the past. And what is it like when, um, you get somebody in from a from a team that didn't have a good culture around mm-hmm. strength. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's been great now because now that we have, now that I've been fortunate to work with with some of these players for a few years now. Um, especially we had a bigger rookie class last year with with five rookies at mm-hmm. the time. Um, so now as guys come in, like they just see how we do things, mm-hmm. um, and they just jump right into it. And, and most of my guys have my back, so that's fun too, right? Like. You know, a player will tell a new player, like, yo, this is how we get down over here. And yeah. kind of joking, but the guy understands, like, you know, if a player is going to come and defend the bar's me, here. Yeah. you know, it, then it's and, – and it helps. Like, if I, – again, I, just, I can't go back to the relationship side enough um, because I just think it's so important because guys, guys can easily, like – not only can they like, not only do they not have to do things in season, but then you just start to think of the off season. Like they can work with whoever they want. Yeah, yeah. they don't have to stay in touch with you. Um, but like my guys, always I could Facetime any of my player any moment, and they'll answer. And it's like, man, that's valuable because because when I call you to say like, yo, what are you doing now? They're they're like, yo, I got come on, like or hey, I need to fly out and check in with you. Come on, like let's do it. And yeah. so it's it just helps. Um, so as new guys come in. To have the our, our current roster be able to co-sign you and say like yeah it's how we get down and um and trust me you're gonna want to do this stuff like they buy in pretty quick so it's been good. You mentioned the you know the micro dosing which some of those exercises you mentioned are almost a warm up in a way or just you know yep. activating mm-hmm. things getting things moving. Um, but you also mentioned now you got a bunch of young cats uh, who ultimately a stronger version of yourself right. We've talked about it multiple times and I, I'm in full agreement with you for my little whatever that counts for but uh that that uh, you squatting 300 pounds doesn't make you a better uh basketball player but you putting 10 20 pounds on your own squat may make you better or more durable um so you got all these young guys who's making the call um on maybe if they should gain weight lose weight things of that nature does that fall on your head does that fall on the head coach does that fall on somebody else and you're like now you know you get an 18 year old kid that's never lifted weights again and he's 170 65 but maybe he could be 200 and he you know at a a good uh, body fat composition and you'd be all right who's making those calls yeah it's a mix like we have we have a staff that's involved with those types of things Mm -hmm. um so we talk about them often uh and then beyond that though it's also the coach decision like tactics play a role into that um you know we're the fastest team in the nba right now i think uh so those things play a role um because if you want to if your if your tactics are a slow grind game and you want to beat people up on the block well you're probably going to have to have those type of body compositions right. or yeah. those type of body types to do that. Or your um, moving positions. Hey, man, I know you played point guard in college, but we're trying to get you to a shooting guard. Let's absolutely. Get, yeah, let's get 10 absolutely. pounds on you. Yeah, or you played, you know, the four in college, but you can't play the four in the NBA, right. so we got to make you a, a three. Or you yeah. played the five, and now we got to make you a stretch four. Um, so those, like, co- coaching, this it, like, so staff makes, discusses it. Uh, the coaches have input. Uh, the player, importantly, I think has an input too, sure. right? Like that's probably the most important one. And most of our, most of those discussions go right to him. Like, yo, what do you think about this? How are you feeling? What weight do you play best at? Yeah. Like, what's your best weight? I, I feel like I play best here. Cool. Well, you know, there's no limitation on that with the coaching side. Mm. They Like that's fine. So cool. Let's just keep you there. Um, so yeah, it's, everybody's involved a little bit. Um, 
and then ultimately like we just try to get the players to own it and say yo this is you say you want to do this yeah we want you to do it we're, we're a resource for you because we have i mean when it comes to body comp it's mainly like calories right sure. on, yeah. on either side of that coin yeah. um whether you want to lose fat or you want to gain muscle calories or nutrition is the most influential especially in season because it's not like we can just yeah. sit you down and go crazy with volume like that's not an option especially because we play every other day mm-hmm. and the flip side of that is if you need to lose weight well it's not like i could just sit you on the treadmill right um you gotta run around the night yeah so like because we we can't really just add this extreme amounts of external load right to their body or caloric expenditure the nutrition plays a role so um you know we travel with like a nutrition trunk so if we have a guy that needs to gain weight well i'll have some high caloric bars with Mm -hmm. me and every morning like we'll just hand them to them or we'll just put them in the locker like yo it's on it's in the locker like eat it cool i got you and then you just measure it yeah yeah and track it over time so yeah do you feel like underweight overweight how much how much of the of a risk factor for injury are is is body weight either under or over good question yeah good question uh I think fitness is probably most important. So what you often end up with is people that are overweight are probably less fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be- if you're less fit, then fatigue is going to accumulate faster. And then that's when mechanics break down um, or muscles just can't do what they're supposed to or what we want them to. Um, but I think both are probably important. Uh, being small, smaller relative to the, the other positions. Mm-hmm. Like I, whenever I think of body comp or bo- or size in general, um, Everything to me is just relative to who you have to play against. Mm. Like, are you strong enough to guard the people you have to or or to beat the people you have to? Or if you have a game where, like, anyone who dances in basketball is probably not that effective unless you're just showing off. There's players that do that, and they're really good. But because we want most basketball players want to be able to go A to B, right? Like, we want you to go from here to the rim, and the fast, the straight line is going to mm-hmm. be the best option. So as you dance around people and lean into them, can you take contact? Can you finish? Um, are people pushing you off the block, whether that's offensively, if you catch it, can you catch it with your back to the basket? Do you have to fade away because you're not strong enough to get into your position? Or defensively, are you just getting back down? Like To me, everything becomes relative to the competition. Um, and I think that that's just often lost in a lot of these conversations. It's like, oh, does he need to get bigger, faster, stronger? I don't know. Let's take a look at how this looks out here first. Yeah. Um, and so the problem being smaller is on top of not probably being able to finish through contact um, or make the moves that you might want to, mm-hmm. um, because oftentimes a good move typically lends itself to leaning into position so defenders can't get around you, right? Um, so if you cross somebody over and you get by them, the easiest way to keep them on your back or to create a foul is to just get into their lane. And now they can't get around you without fouling you, so mm-hmm. they're either going to let you take it or they're going to foul you. So now it's this now it's this thing of, okay, I made the move I wanted because I'm strong enough or big enough. Can I finish the move that I want because I'm strong enough and big enough? And the flip side of that is if somebody running into me, can I do those things? Yeah, like adequate strength <laughs> yeah, rather than like, like being strong. For sure. Yeah. And so if you're weak, like all those things hurt. Um, now, yeah. on top of all of that, you just have to t- – like basketball may not be the most physical sport relative to like rugby or, ba- or mm. football, but it is a very physical sport. Um and if you can create contact and you can take contact, then it's probably going to be pretty well – or it's probably going to lend itself to better injury history because now when you run through screens, like it's – I mean, if you've ran through a screen, a good screen that's set is like a wall, right? Mm. Um, so those things play an important role. So I, th- I think having size, adequate size, just allows you to take the contact that you need, um, perform at the level that you need to, both both levels of the court. Um, and then you don't really run into too many big body comp – issues on the other side where it comes to like body fat like there's there's only a few players 
in my career that I've had to deal with on that. And most of the time it's you get a young guy who's 18, 19 and just needs to develop through the system. Now, one thing that we have is uh, a good amount of calories around there. Like the food environment in the NBA is uh, surplus for sure, yeah. right? Um, so those things are, just come with time. It just comes with educating guys. Like the problem isn't you don't have the food available. The problem is do you understand why you should eat it, when you should eat it, Um have you took autonomy of that? Like, yo, if you want to be this type of player in your career, well, it doesn't need to happen now. But by the time you get to your third, fourth year in this contract, like, you want to be that player, it's probably going to take you getting to this weight. Like, yeah. Um, what about a uh, more um, smaller picture, short term? Is there any data or anything in your experience with um, obviously lack of sleep seems like a, a no brainer for injury risk going up, uh, mm-hmm. but calories or anything of that nature or, or training on a day? You know, you, you hear rumors of guys loving going to the gym, training that morning, uh, lifting weights. Uh, is there any correlation data or, or personal experience with under eating, overeating on, on a game day with uh, risk injury and or um, training? Uh, I haven't seen any. Um, maybe I should write a dissertation. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't know. seen it because because mainly because those things are super hard to understand sure. and study. Because um, injuries, again, we're talking about uh, you. You know, you say prevent injuries as much as you want, or or, or reduction of yep, it because yeah. you can't prevent anything because there's so many external factors. Man, someone in the crowd could throw a beer at you, or you slip yeah, on something, right. or your shoe explodes, or let it. But most common is yeah, you're getting in contact, your knees going in, you're ripping your ACL, your hammy, like. And that has nothing to do with how you could be the fittest hypothetically, the, the, the most prepared hypothetically, the most recovered hypothetically, and right. you could still blow out your ACL. Right, right. Yeah, and, and those things, yeah, I mean, some stuff's just not controllable. Um, so, yeah, I haven't seen anything, like, specifically on, you know, cal- calorie status and injury or performance. But if I had to take a wild swing at it, I would say being in a caloric deficit is usually not going to help you perform at your best mm-hmm. or allow you to – reduce the risk of injury or take the contact needed. Um, and then the flip side of that is if you're if you're in a caloric surplus all the time, well, not only are you ultimately going to gain body fat, but sure. you're probably not going to feel that good. Yeah. Um, and so it's, pre- it's actually real impressive to watch players start to understand what routine allows them to perform and feel the best. Like, uh, you know, we have players that we might want to gain weight, but it's like it's, it's actually – some people might think it's just so easy. Just make them eat food. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, sure. Like, like, you got yeah. shoot around, then you got team meeting, yeah. then he wants a nap, and then he's yeah. got to play. And when's he going to eat that burger? He's going to throw up. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what you got. You figure for a 7 p.m. tip, NBA game days on a 7 p.m. tip started at 4 p.m. Like, everyone's in. Like, let's right. get it. Like, we got – there's right. three hours of preparation before yeah. the ball even goes up. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to eat a giant burger at, like, 5 p.m. for a 7 p.m. tip. And now the game's from 7 to, like, 9. And by right. the time you shower and get to media, it's, like, 10. And now it's 10 – and you probably don't want a big old burger now. Right, you got to sleep, or or you're going to the airpl- uh, airport, something. Right, <laughs> and so, and you play every other day. Yeah. Like this is not like a once a week thing, like in some other sports. Right. Like this is every. You other don't, day. you don't want to do it, but let's talk <laughs> football. They can eat Monday through Saturday and get all fat, and then they move around once. Yeah, that's true. Well, actually, this is not really injury, but it but it, it is re- relative to performance. Like, do you have you dealt with players that had digestion problems? you know, like gluten intolerances or irritable bowel or any of those kind of things that, that really disrupt your ability to, to eat efficiently for sport? Uh, I haven't. Um, but I like that. You can always find alternatives. So if, if that does come up, and we have we have a uh, nutritionist or dietitian, I should say, not nutritionist, dietitian, because uh, nutritionist is not really a protected no, term. No, yeah, uh, an, an RD. We right. have an RD with yeah. a PhD in specifically gluten. There you um, go. 
So yeah. if those things do arise, like we have an expert on hand to handle yeah. all of that. Um, I haven't, but I've never had a player like kind of come to me and, and give me any symptomology of that mm-hmm. type of. I feel stuff. like, and this is one thousand percent my hypothesis. When you start to be like an elite level athlete, like you're elite in so many ways to get, like they're the 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 point zero 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 one percent of the one percent of of uh, humankind. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you're really good at basketball and you got diarrhea, you already got weeded out. You already got weeded out. <laughs> You're you're done for. Yeah, that's a fair. You know what I mean? Like this. How many guys are in the NBA? Twenty, twenty nine, twenty eight times twelve. Fifteen times. Like not. Yeah, nothing. There's nobody in the NBA. How many people are on the freaking planet? Everyone wants to go to the NBA. Four hundred fifty. There's four hundred fifty people. How many people are on the planet? How many people? Eight billion? I don't even know. It's not quite that many, but yeah, I think it's it's it. The diarrhea guys don't have a chance. Look it up. How many people are in the world? How many people in the world? What's, the, what's the population? The diarrhea guys that can 360 dunk, they're already gone. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't make it. No, the, you got one gluten thing <laughs> wrong with you. You're done for. We, we got to button this one up, but I need to know this number before. 7.7. Billion. Bazillion. Oh, bazillion? No. Billion. Billion. That's not bad. What did I say? Eight billion. Yeah. yeah. You're you're yeah, you're you're pretty much you're fifty percent. Really, I'm close. at like eighty percent. You're facts. close. That, I was like, I think that's about ninety two, but good. I don't know. I, I'm not good. a math guy. Where can uh, people find you? Uh, people can find me on Instagram, dr.ramsey.nigem, and then Twitter, dr.ramsey.nigem. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks Thank for you coming very much, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. I'm the Jim McD on all the social media. Mike is Silent Mike with two Ks. The show, 50% facts, 50% spelled out. Facts on Instagram and Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter with your recommendations for future questions and experts. Also, Ratings and reviews on the platform of your choice, always appreciated. We'll be back next week.